You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, this is the uh, story, the account of the wise men, the magi. The Bible says in verse number 2, it says that the verse one that there came wise men, and as if as if they had to mention this, we already knew this, but the wise men came from the east, right? We should we would have known that. We're on the east coast. We're in eastern North Carolina. Of course there'd be wise men in the east. But the Bible says that they came from the east to Jerusalem. And here's what they said, verse two. Where is he that is born? What's the next word? King. Notice that word king is capitalized. The letter K is a capital. Chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about Herod the king. That's not capitalized. Uh, chapter three of chapter 2, verse 3, when Herod the king, that's not capitalized because there's a difference between King Herod and King Jesus. There's a difference. Notice with me Matthew chapter 1. The Bible says in verse number 6, and Jesse begat David the king. By the way, David was the greatest king that Israel ever had. All the other kings would be compared to David. They would be compared to that standard of greatness. King David, a man after God's own heart. But this king that the wise men are looking for is a king far greater than King David. It goes on to talk about in Matthew chapter 1, David and David the king begat Solomon and Solomon Rehoboam and uh, Rehoboam Abiah and Abiah Asa and Asa Jehoshaphat and Joram and all these kings and all these kings are listed. But this is a different king that we're talking about in Matthew chapter 2. The Bible records hundreds of kings throughout the centuries. The Bible records many kingdoms and many nations and many empires. There are two books in the Bible that are specifically the records of the kings. First Kings, Second Kings. But when we get to Matthew chapter 2, there is another king that comes on the scene. The Bible says in verse 2, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. We see that these wise men, they came to find the king. And they came to find the king not just for a sightseeing trip, not just for an experience. They didn't just go see the king like you might go see the Grand Canyon. Or you might go see Mount Rushmore. Or you might go to see a president. Or you might go to see a high-ranking official. They came to see the king. The Bible says in verse number 11, when they came to where the king was, they were coming to the house and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their, what's that next word? Their treasures. They brought treasures. They brought the best they had and they brought their treasures all the way from the east and they brought them to the king and they opened their treasures and they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I'd like to speak this morning for a few moments on this subject, gifts for a king. You know, these wise men, they came 
The Bible doesn't tell us their names. The Bible does not even tell us how many there were. We often assume there were three because of the three gifts. But the Bible does tell us what those gifts were. And I'd like to speak this morning on the subject, gifts for a king. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and give us what we need in the Bible study and the message this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for those who are watching the service online. Uh, those that could not be here this morning, but yet they are tuned in and they are a part of our church. I thank you for those listening by way of radio. And I pray that you would help your word to be delivered with power and with authority. And I pray that we would not miss the truths contained in the word of God. Speak to our hearts, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Gifts for a king. The Bible talks about Jesus and Jesus has many titles and Jesus has many names. We know that Jesus, the name Jesus found in Matthew 1, 21, is the, the, the name that means Savior. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And if you don't know Him as your Savior, you need to get to know Him today because He died for you. He loves you. He paid the price for you. But Jesus is the Savior. The name Christ. Throughout the Bible, we use that as a name of Jesus, and indeed it is, but that name Christ means Messiah. Jesus was the promised one. He was the anointed one. He was the one that God had said that he would send that would come and deliver his people. We see in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 23 the name Emmanuel. I love that name. That name Emmanuel was a new concept for God's people because the name Emmanuel meant that they had God with them. Now, now, the children of Israel always thought of God in heaven or they thought of God in the temple uh, uh, seated uh, on the mercy seat in the Shekinah glory of God. But God's people, they did not know what it was like to have God with them. Aren't you glad we can have God with us? Aren't you glad we can sing that song and know and experience and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own? You can have a relationship with God. God. And you don't have to go through a pastor. And you don't have to go through a priest. And you don't have to go through a man. You have a relationship with God because of his son, Jesus Christ, who bridges the gap between a holy God and a sinful man. We see the names of Jesus in the book of Isaiah. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And indeed, he is those things. But in Matthew chapter 2, we find another name or another title for Jesus, and that is the title of king. Take uh, your Bible, if you would, hold your place in Matthew 2, and turn with me, please, to the book of Luke. I want you to notice Luke chapter 1 and verse number 30. This is when the angel came to speak unto Mary and to tell Mary uh, of what was going to happen before uh, Jesus was born. It says in Luke 1, verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. 
Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. By way of introduction this morning, I want you to see that Jesus was king at his birth. When Jesus was born, before he was ever born, it was already stated, he will be and he is the king. I want you to notice with me, turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, we find the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This was days before he would be crucified. And in Matthew 21, verse number 5, it says, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Turn with me to Matthew 27, please. Matthew 27, Jesus is at his trial. He is about to be crucified, and at his trial, the Bible tells us that they mocked him. Matthew 27, 29, And when they had platted a crown of thorns. Why would they put a crown of thorns? Because they said, this man thinks he's a king. If he's a king, he needs a crown. And we will construct a crown, a crown of thorns. If you've ever seen the thorns that they have in, uh, in Palestine and the thorns that they have in Jerusalem, we're not talking about little, little uh, thorns from a, a blueberry bush. We're talking about thorns that are the size of nails. And those thorns were used to make a crown. And that crown of thorn was, was beat literally into his skull. And they placed that crown of thorns upon his head and with a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Look at verse 37. And they set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Jesus was king at his birth, but Jesus was also king at his death. Verse number 42 of Matthew 27. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. We know that Jesus could have come down from that cross. Jesus could have spoken the word and he could have called a, a thousand angels to come. We know that he could have done that. But had Jesus come down from that cross, he could have saved himself. But he would not have been able to be the sacrifice to save us. And I'm thankful this morning that Jesus did not come down off that cross. I'm thankful that Jesus stayed on the cross, although they mocked and said, if you're really the king, well, he is really the king. And he could have saved himself, but he didn't just, uh, he couldn't have just saved himself. He had the ability to save the entire world from their sins. He was the king at his birth, the king at his death. But we see also, if you'll turn with me to Revelation 19, we see that he is the king at his coming. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he was born in a manger and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and he was buried and he rose again. But when Jesus comes back the second time, he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation 19, verse number 16, it says that when he comes, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name that is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want to remind you this morning that we're talking about 
the king. Jesus Christ is the king. He was the king at his birth. He was the king at his death. And he is the king at his coming. First Timothy says now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. He is the king. Go back with me if you would to Matthew chapter 2. These wise men, they found the king. It was not an easy journey. It was a journey that took much time. It took much expense. There was much commitment involved. But they came all the way from their home, hundreds of miles away, probably the region of Babylon, probably 500 miles in journey. But they came, and when they arrived, the Bible says in verse 11, they opened their treasures, and they presented. That's where we get the word present, right? They presented, they, they gave to Jesus something, and they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. These gifts were not random gifts. These gifts were not gifts that they stopped at the convenience store at the last exit and said, we forgot to get gifts. We better pick up something. These were gifts that were specially selected. I believe that God told them which gifts to bring. And they brought these gifts that were gifts appropriate for a king. Have you ever been shopping for someone else and you saw something that you liked? And you were trying to convince yourself that you should buy this gift, although it wasn't for you, it was for someone else. But you battled back and forth and you said, you know, this gift would be wonderful if this were a gift for me, but it's not for me. This is not a gift that someone else would appreciate. Fellas, I don't mean to mess up your Christmas shopping that's already been done. But if you went out and bought a fishing boat for your wife for Christmas, I think she's going to know that gift was really not intended for her. Uh, ladies, if, if you went out and you, uh, you, you bought a, a, a shopping spree for your husband, you know, to, to buy a set of clothes or whatever, that's maybe he'll use it, but that's probably not what he had in mind either. Now, you may like that, but for him, maybe not so. I remember when I was little and we'd always go to the store and whenever we go to the store, there's one question I always had. Do they have a toy section? How many of you remember those days when you'd go shopping and if it was a store that had toys, that was something of interest, right? When you're a child and, and you go to the, the toy section and if there was a toy section, then you could start making your Christmas list or thinking about some things you wanted or birthday or Christmas, whatever. Well, when you go to the toy section, those are appropriate for children, right? But it's probably not going to be appropriate for, you know, grandma and grandpa. You know, I'm going to get this dart gun. You know, I think grandma and grandpa would like this or whatever. You got to find something that's appropriate. But here we see that they chose gifts that were appropriate for a king. The first gift was gold. Gold is obviously fitting for a king. Gold is the finest. Gold represents the best that money can buy. A king would have a scepter made of gold. A king would have a crown of gold. A king would have a throne of gold. A king would have a palace with much gold. And so for a king, gold was very appropriate. But then the Bible says the next gift was that of frankincense. Frankincense was a substance that was used 
by the high priest in the temple. It was used in offering sacrifices. That's where we get the word incense, frankincense. And so this was a gift that was used by the high priest. Interesting because Jesus was not only the king, but Jesus was the great high priest. He is the high priest. The Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Aren't you glad your prayers can get through to God because Jesus is interceding on your behalf? The Bible says they brought myrrh. Myrrh was an interesting gift. Myrrh was a, 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 an ointment that was used many times in burials. I think it's very significant because Jesus Christ came and he was born for the purpose of dying. Jesus was born to die. He came to die. He came to be the sacrifice. And these gifts were all very appropriate for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Some have said that perhaps they brought three gifts in reference to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's the case. I think it's very applicable. I think it's very fitting. But we know that they brought gifts. The Bible tells us that the wise men brought gifts at his birth. The Bible tells us that the women brought gifts at his death. When Jesus Christ was buried, those women came on that Sunday morning to bring gifts to, to prepare the body for burial. We know that there will be gifts at Jesus' coming when he returns. But this morning, very quickly, in these next few moments, I want to ask you a couple questions about the gifts that you are giving the king. Number one, I want to ask you this. What would you have given the king? If you had been there that day with those wise men, what would you offer Jesus? What would you give to him? You say, well, pastor, I, I don't have much gold, so I couldn't give him gold. That's okay. Jesus doesn't ask you to give something you don't have. Jesus just asks that you give your best. Remember the story of the widow who came into the temple and the Bible says that they watched during the offering. Now, I don't think that's a good idea, you know, to be uh, staring, you know, as everybody's putting their money in the offering, you know, say, hey, I wonder, was that a one or a five or a 20 or what was on that check? That's probably not good. But they were coming in to bring money into the temple and, and the disciples were impressed because there were some, the Bible says they gave huge amounts. They gave lots of money in the offering. But after it was all said and done, Jesus didn't talk about those that gave large sums. Jesus made mention of the widow who gave her mite. A mite was the smallest currency at the time. It would have been like putting in a penny or putting in a quarter or a nickel. And Jesus made mention of that widow's mite. And the disciples said, well, what are you talking about? And Jesus said this, those all gave of their abundance. But that widow gave all that she had. And you know what Jesus is looking for today? He's not looking for huge amounts of money because he owns it all. Jesus is not going broke. Jesus is not worried about Wall Street. He's not worried about the economy. He's got it all under control. Jesus is not looking for huge amounts, but he's looking for people that will give what they have, for people that will give their best, for people that will give their life to him, Jesus Christ, what would you have given the king? Number two, I want to ask you this, what will you give to Jesus when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ? 
See, at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible tells us that we will have the opportunity to give back to Jesus. Now, you can't, you can't take your wallet with you to heaven. You can't take your house or your car or your boat or your retirement savings. You can't take that to heaven. The Bible says that you can, however, lay up treasures in heaven, Matthew 6. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Revelation 4 tells us that we will have crowns that we can give back to Jesus. Well, how do we get those crowns? The Bible tells us we get those crowns from how we serve God here on this earth. May we be faithful. May we be uh, 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 serious about seeing people saved and, and, and be serious about running the race and finishing our course so that we can have a crown that we can lay at his feet. I want to ask you, what would you have given Jesus at his birth, what will you give him at the judgment seat? But let me bring it down to where we all live. What are you giving Jesus? And what am I giving Jesus right now? You see, Romans 12, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Bible tells us we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and strength. And you say, well, pastor, I don't have a lot to give Jesus, but if I had a lot, then I would definitely give him a lot. Probably not. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, do we not? You say, pastor, I'm just way too busy to serve God. Well, I would argue that yes, you're too busy, but you're not too busy to serve God. You're, you're too busy. Yes, you are. But it's about a priority. How about this? You say, well, pastor, I can't give. You talk about these projects. We're trying to raise money to get Bibles out. We're talking about raising money for missionaries, and, and I just can't give. Well, here's what I do know this. God requires the tithe, right? The tithe, that's 10%. And if you... And I, if we don't tithe on what we have now, I think God knows we wouldn't tithe if we got a raise. I think God knows if we got some large amount of money, we wouldn't tithe off of that if we don't tithe off of what we have now. So what are you giving him now? Is he your king? Is he on the throne in your life? If he is your king, if he is my king, then we ought to be willing to give him our best. These wise men, they opened their treasures, the best they had. They presented unto him gifts, the best they had, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Here's the question as we close. If Jesus is the king, then he will get our very best. When I was a boy, uh, we used to love, and I, I still enjoy it. I don't, we, don't have, we don't do it as much as we probably should, and I'll have to get Lacey and Savannah to uh, get, get it going. But when I was a boy, we used to love playing board games. How many of you love board games? Now, we used to play, when I was a boy, we used to play Monopoly. Now, that's a game that some people cannot play because they're impatient and because they cheat, Right? And if you have impatience and you're a cheater, you can't play Monopoly. That's not going to end well. It takes a while. But then there was another game we used to love to play, and it was the game of checkers. Now, you know what I love about checkers? 
Checkers, it's just simple. It's just pretty straightforward. It's pretty basic. And you play checkers, and uh, so I don't have time to get into it today, but uh, my wife and I used to play checkers. We don't play checkers anymore, uh, but we are still married, so that's good. <laughs> and uh, there's a reason why we don't play checkers anymore. But here's what I know in checkers. When you're playing checkers, every piece that you have has the potential to become a king, right? You get to the end of the board and you stick another piece on top and every piece has the potential to be a king. So while you're playing checkers, there can be a whole lot of kings on both sides. And, and, and when, you're, when you're king, you can do what you want, right? You can go, you can jump backwards and do all that stuff. In checkers, there are a lot of kings. And I believe in the United States of America, and I believe in society in 2022. I think that's our mindset. Everybody wants to be king. Everybody wants to call the shots. Everybody wants to do their own thing. Everybody wants to be the one that gets the applause. Everybody wants to be the one that gets the recognition. Everybody wants to get the glory. But friend, I got news for you. As you read this book right here, you will find there is only one king. And his name is Jesus. And the Bible says in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's only one king. And it's not you. And it's not me. It's Jesus. In checkers, there are a lot of kings. There can be a lot of kings. In the game of chess, I never played chess. My dad was always a good chess player. And I remember when I was real little, he, he tried to show me. And maybe it was because I wasn't patient. Maybe I didn't learn. But in chess, it all boils down to the king and what you do with the king. And friend, I want to tell you, in life, what matters is what you do with King Jesus. And what matters is, what am I going to do about King Jesus? Am I going to make him and allow him and put him in the place of king? Or am I going to be the king of my own life? I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus Christ your king? When all of this is done, when life is over, when we stand before the Lord, it will not matter what your degree is on your wall. It will not matter what your education was. It will not matter what your bank account looked like. It will not matter how many people you had working for you. What will matter at the end of the day is what you did with the king. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to say this. Make today the day that you fall down and worship the king. Let today be the day that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the King. And I got good news for you. Most kings demand that you give their life for them. But our king gave his life for you. Can you imagine for those Jews that day when they saw Jesus on the cross and he had the sign that says, this is the king of the Jews. And they had mocked him and they had, they had put a robe on him and they, they had just made a, a, big, a big spectacle of the whole thing. And as he died, I'm sure there were many there that day saying, we've never seen a king that was willing to die for his people. But I'm glad that my king, King Jesus, died for me and he died for you so that we could have eternal life. What have you done 
with Jesus. He is the only king that can save you. He is the only king that gave his life for you. And Jesus is the only king that is worthy of our worship. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.